in Montana the president Donald Trump said NFL TV ratings are down 20% that's fake news they're down 9% Trump said the flag is the reason that's fake news there's no definitive proof of that and at any rate that's overly simplified yo if you're going to keep accusing the media of fake news maybe don't lie so much and uh, why the NFL's TV ratings are even a remote concern to the President of the United States, I can't imagine. Well, actually, I can't imagine. It's misdirection. Don't look over here. Look over there. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Stay out of politics, fat ass. Stick to sports, fat ass. Okay, fine. Let's make a deal. When the President of the United States keeps his big, fat, frumpy, orange face out of sports. I'll stay out of politics. But football is ruined, and that's mostly football's fault. But this goof is trying to make sure it stays ruined for his own benefit. The NFL shouldn't matter to the president. But it does, and because of that, hey Trump, guess what? You just made the list! Why is Trump holding a rally in Montana? A rally. Just be president, dude. You don't need to hold rallies. You know who else held a lot of rallies? The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. 412-367-0815 is the number to call. I have really steered clear of politics on this show because I don't think it does the show or me any good. And I really did hate both candidates in the last election. I think this presidency is an absolute disaster. I'm not convinced the presidency of Hillary Clinton would not have been an absolute disaster either. Uh, That election was a low point for American politics, to be sure. And I'm not going to talk about politics except when politics intrudes in sports, which is my business. And this jackass has no business trying to hurt the NFL continually for his own benefit. It's just wrong. You know, the players taking a knee, the black power salute, the flag, all the misinterpretations of that, that will sort itself out with the people in in good time. It already has and will continue to do so. You just don't need this ass bag to exacerbate. You don't need him to throw egg beater upon troubled waters. You just don't need that. i, I got to be honest. If most of you, even the stupidest among you, look deep within your souls, you like football more than the president. Who gives a frig who the president is? It, it uh, so rarely matters. And even this president, as bad as he is, as stupid as he is, as loud-mouthed as he is, as ill-advised as he is, it hasn't affected me at all. At all. In fact, some of his financial policies may actually benefit me. So, mostly I don't care. But don't F with football. Football should be a bigger deal than the president. And I don't even like football that much. 
But that's America. America ain't Donald Trump. America's the National Football League. That's America. Home of the free. Ain't that America something to see, baby? Let's go to Rick on the road. Rick, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, you were talking about somebody putting Vaseline on a club face to gain an advantage. Now, Vaseline seems a little unyielded to me, but I have seen a guy carry around a uh, tube of chapstick that did it. Oh, okay, I knew it was something like that, but Vaseline wouldn't do the... Oh, I guess chapstick would fill in the grooves better. Yeah, it's like he puts it on you know, like like a pencil eraser. And, yeah, the guy hit the ball harder and straighter than anybody I've ever seen off the tee. Now, did the, guy, now, now did, the guy do it, did the guy do it on the sly, Rick, or did he do it... Uh, was it like an anything-goes match, or did he cheat the opponent? Oh, he, he told everybody. He didn't care. He, he did it for fun because he knew he'd play better for it. What other ways do guys – got to bring that book in, don't I, about all the different ways to cheat? It's fascinating to me, for sure. Yeah, it's like I have, I have a bunch of books on cheating, cheating in gambling, cheating in sports. And I'm not condoning it, but I just think that anybody who would seek for such underhanded ways to win – well, no, if you're doing it for money, I get it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, you're going the whole Eddie Guerrero route there, though, right? Well, I cheat and steal. Ed was my friend, yeah. Uh, like, if I could cheat at radio, I would. Could you think of any way to cheat at radio? Because I can't. Uh, maybe turn on a thousand radios to your station in your house to boost your rating. Well, no, no, because the only way you could do that is if you if the old way. The old way used to be they would hand a diary out to random households. My mother got that once. I had to remind her, Ma, I know you listen to KDKA because you're old, but 12.50 all the way. And so she did. <laughs> but but now they have something called, uh, what's it called? People meter, PPM. And you carry this device around with you, and any time the signal of, of a station is within hearing range of that PPM, it registers for the rating. So how can I, how can I tap in? How can I... Hack in to those people meters. If anyone out there has a night, no, I better not. Uh, let's go to Jackie on the north side. Jackie, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, about the pirate uh, there, he's sweating like Mel Gibson about Mitzvah. He should be the all-star for the buckos. What? Hey, he's a tough now, you know, goodbye. You're not funny. I, I know what you're trying to do, and it's be funny, and you're not. Sweat like Mel Gibson to bar mitzvah? Well, because he's an anti-Semite? Weird. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Tim Benz at the bottom of the hour. And then Vince Neal tonight at the Meadows. And don't forget, I'm at Schultz Fort tomorrow noon till 2 for the Schultz. They call it the Schultz Summer Sale. I'm going to go dust the road to Mac and dream on y'all. I'm going to call it the Schultz. Super Summer Sizzler Sale. Come join me, Double M, at the Schultz Super Summer Sizzler Sale, baby. At Route 28, Hamaville Schultz. You're going to love it. you got to be there. you got to dig it, Daddy. 105.9 x And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Come, son of Jor-El. Kneel before Zod. Oh, hi. Um... Always great to hear from the lady callers. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X we got Tim Benz at the bottom of the hour. 
I am live at Schultz Sport in Harmerville tomorrow from noon till 2. If you come there, you will have something akin to a religious experience. So join me tomorrow at Schultz Ford from noon till 2. I went over the reasons the Pirates aren't as good as it looked like they might be. And let's not forget they were 26-17 and 17 at one point in mid-May and since then have gone 13-27 and 27 and they stink. Now I've gotten some blowback on Twitter for calling Jamison Tyon a bust. Well, he's 5-6 and six with a 4.05 ERA and a 1.26 whip. What would you call him if not a bust? You know, I, I love how people always defend the guy who's supposed to be a number one starter, like Garrett Cole before him and now Jamison Tyon. That's not fair to expect him to be a number one starter. Okay, but what if you need a number one starter? And is this about being fair, or is it about somebody at long last that's ballyhooed coming up through the pirate system and delivering? I'm not putting it all on Jameson Tyon. I'm putting it on Searage. I'm putting it on Hurdle. I'm putting it on the guys who have helped or hurt Jameson Tyon's development all the way down through the pirate system. But for whatever reason, he is not as advertised. For whatever reason, uh, the Pirates' young pitchers just haven't come through. Tyler Glasnow is now a a bullpen mop-up guy. And that's on them, but it's on the Pirates' teaching process as well. So Tyon's a bust. I don't know what else to call him. I think that's an accurate description. It's too early to call Josh Bell a bust, but he... Had 26 home runs last year and only five this year. Marte is average. Polanco stinks. They used to be two-thirds of something that uh, the Bucco faithful called the best outfield in baseball. And now they're underachieving. They're unfocused. And they're not as billed, not as cracked up to be, not as advertised. And neither one's focused on a regular basis, so neither one is a leader. Cervelli started out good. He stinks now. Harrison started out hurt. He's average now. The bullpen's a disaster. I mean, I could go on and on. Hurdle doing a terrible job. The Pirates are 40 and 46 because they're no better than that. It's not just talent. It's not just developmental. They're failing every which way you can. And they're lucky to be 40 and 46. They were lucky to get off to that good start. And if you think... They'll be rebuilding. Most people rate their farm system in the bottom half of the middle third, like 18th or 19th. What are they going to rebuild with? This team is due for years and years, maybe decades, of mediocrity and failure. Mediocrity at best, failure uh, more likely. And yet nobody really points to that as anything. It's just so many excuses get made and accepted. And there's always this assumption it's going to get better, but it never does except for them three years, 13 through 50. It's just a stink sandwich, and every day you take another bite. And I would say you haven't figured it out, except attendance is way down, so maybe you have figured it out. And again, 
I said, and boy, I am like Notre Damus or whatever that guy's name was. Uh, I figured this out so long ago. I told you exactly what was going to happen with this team. I said they had no chance against Bumgarner in that wild card game, and they didn't. I said they had no chance against Arietta in that wild card game, and they didn't. I said after that 2015 season, they would let things fall apart, and they did. And ever since then, it's been a slippery slope going straight downhill, and I told you so. And now here's what I'm telling you. Attendance was always the biggest story coming into this season. Low attendance will give them an excuse to get rid of as much salary as they can. It wouldn't totally shock me. I'm not predicting it. It wouldn't shock me if they trade a Polanco or Marte, along with whoever else they could chop off the payroll. Because they're going nowhere and revenue's down. And I've always thought that was going to be, wow, just, just something to behold. When attendance really sputters, I want to see what the Hillbilly Prince does because he's getting his money. Oh, there's no mistake. He won't say, well, maybe we should have tried harder to build a winning team. Maybe we should have kept a better eye on our developmental process. Maybe we should have spent more money to keep the team intact after 2015. Maybe we owe the fans a little better than what we've given them. No, no, no. The Hillbilly Prince will not say that. He will slash and burn expenses to the bone to make sure he gets his. And now that time is upon us, and I don't think any of you know what's going to happen. I think you think you know. I don't think you know. I think it's going to be far worse than you ever figured. I think you'll be amazed at the moves made between now and not not necessarily the trading deadline, but now and next year's trading deadline. That was always the way they fooled you in 2015, you know. They didn't slash and burn right away. They didn't do it all in one fell swoop. They did it gradually between the end of the 2015 season and the 2016 trade deadline. It took a while, but eight key components left the team in that time, but not all at once. They didn't sign Jay Happ. Okay, they don't sign Happ. We still got Liriano. Then how many months later at the deadline, Liriano's gone too, and he hadn't pitched well, but he was still better than what they had once Liriano left. Same with Melanson. Well, Rivero has turned into a decent closer. Not as good as Melanson, but a decent closer. What if they had Rivero and Melanson? One is a setup, one is a closer. Because that's what good teams have, you know. But you got fooled, and you didn't have to be fooled. You just should have all listened to me. Because I told you it was coming. Let's go to David in the South Hills. David, you're on with Double M. Mark, how you doing? Um, you know, in relation to the whole NFL. David, thing, I, I can't know, hear you. Please get your mouth closer to the phone. Speak a little louder. Do something. Yeah, can you hear me, Mark? Go ahead. A little bit better. Go ahead. Yeah. So, what do you support the right to protest at the workplace for the players or not? Don't you think the Steelers are maybe the last team with the extra baggage of A, B, and Bell? They should. They should be. Yeah. Goodbye. That, that A, B, and Bell have nothing to do with with taking an ear. Any any politics that have crossed over between the NFL and uh, and Donald Trump and and just you know the, the general malaise that has affected the NFL because of the flag thing. I shouldn't even call it the flag thing. That's misrepresentation. Uh, it, it's the take a knee thing. And and yeah, they effed it all up in Chicago last year, and Villanueva strutted out there and had to be Mister America. And I still despise him for that. And I don't care what you think of me despising him for that. He turned on the boys. He lied to the boys. He let down the boys. 
and he should not ever be forgiven in that locker room for that. And I think most have, but I know some haven't. But I said this a couple days ago. No matter what the Steelers may believe individually, they need to come out and stand on the sideline for that opening game, week one at Cleveland. Nobody takes a knee. Nobody does anything by way of protest. They need to make that an advantage, the fact that they're just not involved. They really need to do that. I don't know if they will. I suspect they might. I don't think the Steelers' way is to you know, get involved in stuff like that. Then again, I keep looking at what Bill and Wave did, and whether you think it was a positive for the Steelers, it was a negative. So I hope they do do themselves that favor. That would be the right thing to do for football. And let's let football be about football. I'm not saying it has to be. I respect the guys who protest. But for the team in town, I want football to be about football, period. Up next, Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. That's correct. It's organized chaos. Super genius. I just diddled my lips on live radio for 30 seconds, and you all listened. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, my colleague at the Trib. You can hear him on the Steelers Radio Network as well. It's Tim Benz. Tim. How badly will Jack Johnson uh, totally ruin the Penguins' defense and, indeed, their chance at a third Stanley Cup in four years because the fancy stats geeks are proclaiming Armageddon? Basically, I don't know why they're even bothering to have a season. I think they should just shut it down right now, fold the team, and bring in an NBA franchise. So we can fold that and just give it to the Warriors. But, I mean, you're right. The, the analytics people have decided Jack Johnson is beyond repair, which is kind of funny because I actually found a couple of deep analytic stats that suggest the opposite and that he is actually going to be better here in Pittsburgh, particularly with his ability to make the first breakout pass. That's a unique skill that he has. He's one of the top six in hockey from that last year. Mike Kelly of the NHL Network came on my podcast and talked to me for the Trib, and he says that's a unique skill set that he still has, and that will, I think, Mark, be heightened by the forwards that he's playing with here. Uh, Yeah, and that ties into my notion that Fancy stats cannot be transplanted from team to team. I just don't see how that's possible. You've got different players out there with you. You've got a different system you're playing within the context of. I think fancy stats are a nice way for people who don't know how to watch the game to pretend they know what they're talking about. But I think there is a lot of pretense in that regard. Well, the fancy stats that bother me are the ones that are picked and chosen to prove your point while ignoring the other ones. Like, to my point, okay, I'm not a huge analytics guy. I'm not a big fancy stats guy. I don't dismiss all of them. I pay attention when I think they're merited. But the people who are into that, you just, I, I what, coincidentally decided they weren't going to talk about how good Jack Johnson is in that regard, but they only picked the ones that made him look bad because they decided that the term and the money was too much. It's like, I can find the fancy stats they are going to prove my narrative, and I'll leave out the other ones that might suggest the opposite. That's the problem that I have. The other thing about the guys who brandish fancy stats like a weapon, Tim, I read one column on Johnson where a a guy wrote one paragraph and then the rest of his column, well, let's call it what it really is, a blog. The rest of his blog was color-coded graphs proving that Jack Johnson sucks from a million other blogs. So in other words, he did one paragraph of actual work on his part then stole other people's fancy stats, and presumably, well, maybe he didn't get paid for it. If it was, it wasn't very much. But but you get my drift. Fancy stats used to be the hard way. 
Now it's become the easy way. As opposed to me, who stole somebody else's fancy stats, but I at least built an opinion off of it. Oh, Tim, I'll steal. No question. Now, uh, were you surprised by the Matt Cullen signing, and where's he fit? I'm not thrilled with the Matt Cullen signing. I don't think it's necessary, but I don't have a problem with it. It's one year. It's cheap. I don't think they'll rely on him. I'm less well, there's no risk at that price. Yeah. And I'm less put off by him coming back. What, what does this mean? Like, less Dominic Simone? Big deal. I'm actually happy about that. But him coming back, to me, is less of a story than Jim Rutherford suggesting that it was all about leadership. Like, when he said that the leadership quotient is going to go up in the Penguin locker room now, I never thought leadership was an issue last year. In fact, didn't we bend over backwards praising new guys for emerging as leaders, like Gino, for instance, and Patrick Hornquist, and even Carl Hagelin at the end of the well, season? Well, a lot of things get skewed when you don't win, but, but I agree. First off, as you know, Tim, I think leadership's mostly a myth. Right. I you sign it, it, you ascribe it after the after fact. After the fact. If you win, there must have been great leadership. Meanwhile, Mark Messier, the all-time greatest leader in hockey, didn't make the playoffs his last seven years. But uh, I, I, I think the Penguins had plenty of leadership last year. They had two-thirds of a team back that won the Stanley Cup, and I don't think the, the third that left were all their leaders. Right, because Kunitz and Cullen were gone, that was a talking point going in. When they were still a good team in the regular season and rolled through the first round of the playoffs, nobody was talking about a lack of leadership being an issue. It only Even after the season, Mark, I never heard Mike Sullivan or Jim Rutherford, particularly Rutherford is usually a candid guy by GM standards, right? Never even brought up the topic of a lack of leadership until Cullen came back uh, just tell me that you want him as like a fourth line left wing, or just I, tell me that I you want him as. I think he was looking for something to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but it now I think looks poorly on, especially since we have so much Kessel discussion. People are saying, "Well, now Cullen's got to be the Kessel whisperer." That's not going to be his job. No, no, not. Well, here's what here's what I hope Cullen's job is. I hope he's the thirteenth forward and gets a game when somebody's hurt or when somebody's playing bad and plays maybe forty five or fifty games. Because the one good thing about Cullen is. He can legitimately play all three forward positions. Yes. You, you you can put him out there left, right, or center, and he knows how to play it. Now let me float this at you. What if his job is to be the fourth line center because they have cut something cooking for Broussard to open up cap space to get somebody else? I don't think that'll happen, you know, before the season, but I think that I think Cullen enables that to be an option. What about him on wing? Is that well? He gave every impression, Tim, when he was on the show earlier this week that that's where he's going to play. Oh no, I meant Broussard. Do you think Broussard is capable on wing, or is that just kind of a panic move to try to shoehorn? It's not, him? It's not a panic move, but it is to try to shoehorn him in. You see, here's the thing, Tim. I think he could play well with Crosby. I, I don't know why, but Crosby and Broussard strikes me as two guys who could work together. They can think alike because Broussard is both fast through the neutral zone and good down low. Thing is, Tim, if you play him at wing, that's yet another wing. And yet another right wing because you keep Gensel on the left. Although you know where Broussard would help, he would take some defensive uh, pressure off Crosby if he played right. on his line. Yeah, because Crosby wouldn't have to bust his ass back so often because in the past he's had to make up for usually Gensel and Sheary, right? Going back for the puck. Correct, correct. So, so I that intrigues me, but uh, again, it's tough because Sid has crazy preferences. So when you take those into account. And then there's a trickle down. I'll give you a case of point. Of the right wings the Penguins have now, Tim, which one do you think Sid would most like to play with? Most like to play with? Right, right wing. Theoretically, I would think that the right wing that he would most like to play with would be Rust. No, because Rust doesn't have the touch through the neutral zone. You know who he likes to play with? Simone. He likes Simone or Recky thinks no, no, that no, Simone? No, 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 no. It's been made very clear to me that Simone with Sid was Sid's idea. See, I would... 
what I would think he would like is Hornquist because he plays a straight line nope, game. Nope, not enough touch through the neutral zone. I, I understand that's why he gets ticked off with him, but it still makes the most sense. Isn't he you know, with Gensel you know, enough playmaking and then you, you, Hornquist you, you, in front of the you net? You know would... what would make the most sense, Tim? For the coach to make the decision. That would make the most sense. Now, I want to get to the Pirates because the trade deadline isn't that far away, Tim. How many players on their roster will the Pirates ditch by the trade deadline? The better Diaz plays, the easier it makes to get rid of uh, Cervelli. If anyone wants. Right. Um, and there are, I think Seattle is down a couple catchers right now, so they might be willing to take on his salary. Dickerson could be a good fourth outfielder and a uh, left-handed stick off the bench for a team that's in need of one or you know, a, a team that needs like a seventh or eighth hitter in the outfield. Uh, he would be one that I would think that could be spun off. Uh, aside from that, I don't know who else would care. Well, Harrison, sometimes, sometimes Harrison, maybe try to do the dumperoo with like freeze for anything. Yeah, a uh, Harrison, I think, given his ticket and two years after this for anything, and I do think Harrison would be uh, desirable as a super utility guy for some teams. For example, I could see Harrison being a great fit for the Yankees. Like team. I could see Harrison being someone that a team, yeah, like the Yankees might want or somebody else who's contending, particularly in the National League, since the five teams in the American League look like they're pretty well on the path to being who they are right. in the playoffs. But a National League team might want Harrison, and then you get in return the Drew Hutchison of the day, right? Somebody that Huntington will blow out of proportion. The, that guy who's going to be in our rotation next year just to pacify the fan base who still doesn't understand the process here, which is it's not a process like the 76ers. It's the Pirates process, which is just about the bottom well, line. In that vein, Tim, people say the Pirates will rebuild with youth, the the optimists, the bucko blogger brigade. But the Pirates system is maybe in the bottom of the middle third in MLB in terms of talent in it, and they're not great at developing. So... When they get rid of the veterans, aren't they really just signing off on sucking for a good period? Yeah, I think they did that actually in advance of this year with Cole and McCutcheon, maybe even fooled themselves with how well they played to start the season. But, you know, the Seinfeld infield of uh, Newman and Kramer, like, they're okay, but I don't hear the buzz about them that I used to with Cole and Tyon and Polanco coming well, well, up. Funny you mention that because if you look at the last few generations of Pirate uh, top prospects, Tyon and Bell aren't hacking it. Polanco and Marte aren't hacking it. Garrett Cole didn't live up to it while he was here. Then he left, and, you know, obviously it's a short sample. When's the last time you heard the name Stetson Ali? Well, well, right. Damn, it just seems like they're all underachieving. Some of them worse than others, but they're all underachieving. And don't you have to point fingers and make tough decisions, or do you just keep paying the guys you've been paying and just keep getting that TV revenue and that, Revenue sharing and that tech money. You know, the new guy that I think is starting to take some heat, and rightfully so, has become Searage. He's no longer the, oh, Uncle Ray will just put his hands on him and everything will be fine. Well, And that's especially true because since since it's become known that the whole system pitches the contact. That's ridiculous. That's one of the stupidest philosophies I've ever heard for any team in any sport, that all the pitchers have to pitch the same. Yeah, and what was the phrase that Garrett Cole used when he first went to Houston and had that great success to start the year? You don't have to dot up as much here, is what he said. You don't have to dot up as much. And he had the freedom to pitch as opposed to thinking quadrants and things of that nature and... Uh, you know, it was always easier. I, I always thought that Sirius actually did a better job fixing other people's broken parts than he did refining yes. the alleged yes. good parts that they had coming through the system. You know what I mean? Like, did, did, I don't think he ever netted as much out of Garrett Cole as he could have, but he got more out of Ivan Nova than they ever thought that he would have. 
When's the last time a pirate prospect, a top guy, turned out like he should have? Is it McCutcheon? Uh, that lived up to first-round pick billing? Yeah. Probably a coal for the one year, but it didn't maintain. And if you're an alleged ace and a number one overall pick, it's supposed to maintain. Well, I, I think he was alleged to be an ace uh, in very mistaken fashion. Yeah, well, they hoped. And, you know, he had pedigree. I don't think a lot of people balked at that notion. Right. And he showed it at first. But, again, it's about maintaining not just having the one really, really good year or good year and a half. And he never was able to sustain that here. Uh, Tim, I want to move on to the column you wrote. Uh, and, by the way, we're talking to Tim Menz from the Trib here on the Mark Madden Show. You wrote a column saying that Cowher and Tom would have not underachieved the Steelers coaches. Now, uh, is that because of the overlap with the Brady and Belichick dynasty in New England? I think that's got a lot to do with it, Be- yeah. Because, because if you if you don't consider that, then they have underachieved because they, they've certainly had a lot of weaponry. But if you do consider that... Uh, I think you might be honest. Yeah, and I, I talked a lot about that in the column. And in fact, Mark, that's part of the reason why you can be harder on Cower for his earlier portion of his career because in 92, 94, and 97, they either went in as the one seed or had a home field game in the AFC Championship as a favorite. And they did. there was no Patriots team out there looming until Cower came into the Heinz Field era. And actually, you know what? Even in 2001... No one quite knew what the Patriots were at that time. Looking back, we can assign that. Well, no now, one knew but, they were this. Right, no one knew that they were this. And frankly, shouldn't a team have to lose once or two? Like the Jordan Bulls, even. Like, I equated them to the Jordan Bulls in the column, right? Well, even the Jordan Bulls had to come up short a couple times against the Celtics before they became the Jordan Bulls. Or against the Pistons, actually. And then they were a dynasty. But the, they steamrolled right through Heinz Field in 2001 in their first opportunity to do so. And the legends were born. Now, if Ben retires and the Steelers never beat New England in a playoff game, how big of a blemish is that on this era of Steeler football? Not as much as some of the other analogies I drew. It's not like Carl Malone and John Stockton in Utah because they at least got theirs. Somewhere along the way, they got theirs. But it's it's just, it's an asterisk. Yeah. You know, they, they were always going to be, just like the Colts with Peyton Manning, they might have gotten theirs along the way, but they were always significantly an, an afterthought behind the Patriots. Tim, I'm going to be talking about this at length at 4 o'clock, but what's your take on the report that Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson will play a $10 million winner-take-all match? It strikes me as contrived, smarmy, country club hustling, but it also reflects that golf hasn't created new stars. It's almost like getting Secretariat and Seattle slew out of the glue factory right now. I who wants to see this now? How impre- What if they both stink? Tim, Tim, it'll draw a monster rating. I know, people will watch... A but monster rating. I think they should just hit the ball back and forth at each other on the green after it goes beyond the hole. Once they start missing shots, they should just whack it back at each other like mini sticks. But does, doesn't it speak to, you know, like, like I always look at Jordan Spieth. When Tiger was out, he won the Masters and the U.S. Open in 2015, finished second at the PGA. Now, that might not be that close to a Grand Slam, but it's as close as anybody in a long time, right? It's heavyweight boxing and is what it is. And he still wasn't a star. Why is that? Why? Will golf not embrace Spieth as a star? He's 24. He's won a bunch. Uh, golf Digest calls him the, the 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 best guy, the most likable guy on the tour. Why can't golf establish new stars? Why do we all just wait for Tiger? Because they got to let go of Tiger first, and it's part of the business. These guys know. I'm sure every golf writer out there knows how many more clicks they got writing about Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open throwing a temper tantrum as opposed to who who won it again? 
Brooks Kepka. He's won it two years in a row now, right? That's a pretty big story. They're not going to get any run out of that. You get more run and more clicks still off of what Tiger and Phil don't do than what any other golfer yeah, does. I get it. And, 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 you know, you can't blame them for doing this if they're going to get a lot of money and it's going to get them in the spotlight. Like, I, I'm fond of saying, uh, however you get the spotlight, it deserve it because you couldn't get it if it wasn't. But it just, it's so, it's so, like I said, it smacks of country club hustling. Uh, the guys have won one tournament between them since 2013. That was Mickelson, who won in, uh, in Mexico mm-hmm. this year. I believe a goat finished second. <laughs> on, the, a, on a goat track. Was the goat any good? But uh, but I just, I, I understand why they're doing it. And especially Phil. This is manna from heaven for Phil. Uh, there's no rule that says he can't win, unless unless there is. We may not know about that. But it's just, it just, I mean, it's going to work, but it sucks. And I can't think of a better way to put it. Right, and it's part of the reason why we had to keep watching Muhammad Ali for a while, get the bejesus yes. beat out of him by Larry Holmes. It's kind of like why we kept watching for the freak show of whatever Mike Tyson would do. Because we all knew there was nothing else behind him that was quite as interesting. And even the really good boxers in the lower weight divisions are nowhere near as interesting as whatever Tyson Alley were as heavyweights. Now, Tim, here's something um, I've been pondering for the last couple of days, and I can't come up with an answer, mainly because I don't think there is one. What's the biggest trade in Pittsburgh sports history? Well, I heard you going through some. I thought one you might have missed was Bettis. Oh, that's true. That was that was a trade that came here. Yeah, they, they gave, what, a second-round pick? Yeah, second-round pick for Bettis to come here, and he was a defining player of an era. Yeah, that might be the biggest one. I kind of dismissed the Steelers because the, yeah, they so rarely the draft. Trade. And usually you think when there's a trade, you got to talk about who's going out too, right? Right. So like, you know, when Paul Coffey goes out for Rick Tockett, that's a talking point because of the na- two Hall of Famers involved. They just gave up a pick for Bettis. But in terms of how big you oh, won no, the that, trade. Oh, no, that's true. Not only that, Jerome is arguably in the top two or three running backs in franchise history. Yes. Whereas if you look at those trades the Penguins made 91 and 92, everybody remembers who they got. What they gave up, they remember that they won, but they did not get franchise-defining players. I mean, Ronnie Francis is great, but he's the third best player on the team at best, and, right? And he might, and he might be like the if he's in the top ten all time for Penguin players, it's it's near the bottom half of the top ten, right? And even if you went through, like if you went through, I know SteelerWire.com just did this a big. If you went through a list of players that have been on the Steelers since the seventies ended, what's Jerome? He's no lower than. Four, no five, question. no question. Uh, and I, they had him at five. I actually put him a little higher than that. Jer- Jerome's a funny guy to analyze, though, because I, as I've often said, uh, that's a penalty. Is that Neymar? It should no. He, they said Neymar Doe. Wow, that should be a penalty. Coutinho disagrees. You left Liverpool. Screw you. Uh, but uh, what are we talking about? Oh, the guys got uh, Bettis. You said Buddy. Bettis yeah, is a funny yeah. guy to analyze. I, I don't see Bettis as a Hall of Famer because he averaged under four yards per carry. Now he did get in, and if you're in, you're in. But um, I do think he's so significant in Steeler history because of what he came and did and what the team did because he was here. Yeah, and there's a re-identification of what they wanted to be as a franchise, and they needed that at the time because there was no Roethlisberger yet. They needed a back to lean on to get them through that bridge from the late 90s out of Three Rivers into Heinz Field. They needed him to be that guy, and he was. Uh, and he just he, he meshed with the city perfectly, the fan base, and the image of the franchise. You know what the biggest trade probably ever was? It was somebody outgoing, but nobody thinks of this because the team didn't win before the trade and didn't win after the trade. Ralph Kiner. Oh, right. That they, is a they, good, yeah. They traded the guy who was the seven-time home run champion. Yeah, the last place with you, last place without your mentality, and it turned out to be true. <laughs> 
And it's funny. He was. I don't know if it's because he left here or because it was just he was just done. He was never the same after he left here. He didn't play much longer after he left here. Was he still dating starlets after he left here? Yeah, he was like boy. Who I was wish... it? Oh, who was it? Well, he married Nancy Chafee, the tennis pro. Was it Lana Turner? We got yeah. We got to find that one. We got to look it up. But he, he is such a loss, and you've talked about this. I remember one of the first columns you did when you came on board with the Trib was a big thing about Ralph Kiner and how impactful he was, and maybe he's lost in the analysis because he was so good on so many bad pirate teams back in the day. Well, you see, I, I only know how good he was because my mother loved him. That was by far my mother's favorite baseball player. And I got him to say hi to her one time when he called the show to the interview. Oh, that was the best thing I ever did for Okay, Listen to this. Elizabeth Taylor. Liz Taylor, sure. All right. Ava Gardner. Unsurprised Frank Sinatra to take out his knees. <laughs> and, and, and Janet Lee. Oh, Janet Lee is the one I was remembering. That's, I that's... think Janet Lee was the most publicized and uh... longest. Like they actually had a relationship. Yeah, the others right? might have been photo ops. Yeah, more or less. Now I'm going to Chicago, by the way. You you're Gibson's. Gibson's, yeah. Gibson's. You, is it all as cracked up to be? Yes. It is. Okay. It's the best restaurant in the world. All right, then. I'm are, are, you, are you downtown? I'm on the north side. Okay, you have a choice. Gibson's and Gibson's Italia. I've never been to Gibson's Italia. They open an Italian place. You can still get the steaks there. If you went there, I'd like a review. All right. If you go to the original Gibson's, it's no risk. It's the best. Get the Chicago cut steak, carrot cake for dessert. Anything else in between is tremendous. By the way, if you also go to the uh, the original Gibson's, that's near Rush Street, I it think. It is, yeah. Uh the way the streets intersect, there's a triangle of restaurants there. A big, you know, it's not a block; it's a triangle. And uh, you know what it's called, the Viagra Triangle, because if you look around, you'll see rich fifty-somethings with uh, with barely dressed twenty-somethings. Well, I'm closer to the rich fifty-something than I ever will be to the barely dressed twenty-something. I can assure you that. Tim, you'll at least you'll enjoy the sightseeing at the Viagra Triangle. That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. It's time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I'm one of a kind on the radio. Thank you for being the best damn radio host in Pittsburgh. It's a family affair. The X at 105.9. Don't forget I'm at Schultz tomorrow in Harmerville, noon till 2. But right now it's time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX. It's brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar the city's best seafood and chapa. So check out Chapino in the Strip. Let's go to Stephanie in Johnstown. Stephanie, ask Mark anything. I agree and disagree about the Trump um, NFL standing and non-standing. What is your opinion? You already said. I think he has a lot more important things to worry about. Exactly. Than, than football and the national anthem and he taking a knee, but he's using it to generate favorable publicity for himself against exactly. against his among his people. He's rallying his troops instead of using that time to be a better president. It's none of his business. Exactly. But the uh, Eagles won, unfortunately, the uh, trophy. Correct. Okay, what's your point? My point is, is he uninvited them, correct? Oh, yeah, because not many were going to go. He would. I don't but, care who shows up for that either. Thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Doobie in Denver. Doobie, ask Mark anything. What's up, Big Sexy? What up? Back, I think, 
when you interviewed Broussard, I know it's gone back, and I'm not trying to be that guy who calls you on anything, but I, I swear he said that he didn't play wing or doesn't play wing, and that wasn't... He has barely played wing. Okay, because I've heard yourself and some of your guests and some other sports talk folks, you know, go over that, and I'm... No, you've I, heard Jim Rutherford bring up Broussard as a possibility to move the wing. That's what you've heard. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to correct you, sir, but Stan brought it up, I think, yesterday or Tuesday. Right, and uh, we I brought it up, too. Not. You know why we're bringing it up? Because the general manager of the Penguins brought it up. Okay. I just didn't want to see him set up for, for failure. I mean, he had the injury last year. I wanted, you know, at least to give, to give him a fair shot. I um, would keep him at center, to too. Fair. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Chris in Harmerville. Chris, very quickly, ask Mark anything. Hello, Mark. Um, you know, I recently bought my boy a uh, Steelers jersey, and I know you're probably not wanting to wear a jersey, but if you had to, uh, which one would you buy? If you had to buy, I own a Roethlisberger number seven jersey. I rarely wear it, but I do own one. That's a good choice because he's one of the good guys on the team, Mark. Whose jersey did you buy for your kid? Villanueva. Who? You know, seventy-eight. Oh, the guy who the guy who we think is a good guy. Good choice. Let's go to uh, Brian in Lawrenceville. Brian, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, how come you're not painted on the uh, wall at uh, Permanis in the Strip? It's a good question. Jim on the wall. It's a good question. Why don't you ask them? It's a shame. It's a, it's a tragedy, actually. It's a crime. Well, I wouldn't call it a travesty or a crime. And plus, which do I have to share it with? Uh, better not say who. Is Myron on it? No, I don't know if Myron's on it, actually. They got Jim Crenn, Donnie Iris. But no oh, Mark I'd love Madden to be on there with Jim M. and Donnie. There's a few people I wouldn't be as thrilled to, to be on there with. I'm at Schultz Ford tomorrow noon till 2. Come and see me. I'm at Vince Neal at the Meadows tonight. If you see me there, leave me alone. 105.9 The X.